and certainly heightened by the fact that we are the Jets. In Chicago, and he's doing this. I mean, that is what Bobby the Brain Heenan would call a ham and egger move. What the heck's going on in Champaign, Illinois with Brett Bielema? They, they have a real shot to get to. Frazier's got it! In the Big Ten Championship, he's in And now, broadcasting live and local from the 98.9 The Game Studios in Effingham, Illinois, it's the starting lineup with Travis Sparks. I might even put a flyer on Derek Carr being the MVP. And Eric Fry. And if you're wrong, you're wrong, but at least I have the guts to step up and make something happen. It's the starting lineup on 98.9 The Game. Welcome in to the uh, Starting Lineup Podcast Edition. Travis Sparks, Eric Fry, hanging out with you here on this uh, Wednesday. And a podcast only uh, today uh, due to the uh, St. Louis Cardinals playing the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates this afternoon. Getaway day there in uh, Pittsburgh. You want to get away from Pittsburgh, don't you? Yeah, I just want to get away from this baseball season in general. My goodness. Yeah, that's true. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about baseball coming up here in a second, both at the major league level, at the local level. Not much locally to talk about in the way of baseball. Every outdoor activity basically is getting canceled, mm-hmm. postponed. Mm-hmm. So we'll take a look at some of the volleyball action that happened uh, last night from around the area. Some of those gyms could be you know, a little hot, yeah, but not quite as hot, I guess, and Outside temperature-wise, I guess. I know it was hot the other night there in uh, Casey when it was Casey in T-Town. Well, and but. also, Travis, uh, you know, traveling to these places oh, on yeah. the bus. I rode the bus for a long <laughs> time when I was a kid. Some of those bus rides can be Yeah, hot. it's got to be got to be brutal. And uh, we do have some more updates with uh, some uh, of those uh, football games. Some of those football games locally here now are getting the kickoffs are getting pushed back and they're getting pushed back 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour or more. Uh, but we'll tell you about those changes uh, coming up both today and uh, tomorrow and Friday as well as we continue to ramp up coverage for the first week of high school football. And uh, no different today. We got a conference to a hit on and a conference to a preview and a talk about. And uh, we talked about uh, uh, the Cumberland Pirates, who uh, you can hear over on WCRA yesterday and the Lincoln Prairie Conference. Well, today is the day for the Apollo Conference, and that's where we see the FEM Hearts. And you can hear those games over on Jack FM. And so we'll be uh, previewing that conference as a whole in our predictions on who who's going to take the Apollo this year. And we'll also have some, here's from some coaches as well as we got uh, Casey on tap for uh, him to join us and our Cola 
both of those two new on the job. So uh, we'll hear from them, and we'll hear from uh, Coach Weekly from uh, Central A&M as well coming up on a today's pod, and we'll have some random news and notes to get to as well here on the pod. Of course, a shout-out to McMahon Meats, Tingley Insurance Agency, Worth Computer Repair, and to Topless State of Bank for sponsoring the starting lineup. All right, so let's just go ahead and uh, let's uh, get right into it. And uh, no time for fancy imaging. We don't need no fancy imaging here on the uh, podcast. Uh, Let's just jump right into uh, Major League Baseball. And it didn't exactly work out to the best of our local teams last night as uh, the uh, Tigers, they got the win 8-6 last night against the uh, Cubbies. So uh, Drew Smiley takes the L and the Cubbies take the L. As well here against Detroit. And I talked about yesterday, Travis, games you need to win. Absolutely. This is a game you needed to win. Beat the opponents you're supposed to beat. Not a game to write home about at all for Mr. Drew Smiley. He only went three and two-thirds innings, giving up seven runs, three walks, four Ks, though, but give up a couple of homers as well. And fell down early, first two innings, you were down three-nothing. And it didn't get any better uh, there. Three-run homer into the uh, fourth pretty much sunk the uh, Cubs. As he actually came back and took the lead in the uh, fourth inning. It was 4-3. to three, But then right in the bottom half of that inning, that's when you gave it right back. And uh, Detroit scored three of their own. And tried to make it closer in the fifth. But a couple of insurance runs or an insurance run in the eighth inning uh, gives Detroit the dub. 8-6 to a six over Chicago last night. So uh, you get the win over Detroit the other night, but can't get it done last night. Nope. So third and a decisive a game is actually coming up this afternoon as well. Going to be in here shortly. And, uh, you know, Drew Smiley, you like him. Well, your boy James Tyon is on the mound against uh, Screwball uh, for the Tigers this afternoon. So Oh, boy. We'll see how that works out, and we'll report about it tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Yes. yes. As the Cubs cling to the wild card now with Arizona. They're coming. They're the ones I'm concerned about. Ah, man, I, I wasn't a believer, but they've been playing really good as of late, and maybe it's just uh, they were just in a funk mm-hmm. after the all-star break or whatnot because they seem like they're starting to find it. Again, and they won their fifth straight last night over the Rangers, uh, six to three. So uh, while you have that going on, the Diamondbacks winning streak, you have the Rangers losing streak there, and it stands at six games now uh, with the uh, Rangers sliding just a bit. And uh, talk about the other Chicago team, the White Sox. They fell to Seattle again last night. So Seattle. Eight in a row now mm-hmm. for the Mariners. And now they're only, with that losing streak by the Rangers, they're only one game back in the West right now. And Houston also picked up the win uh, last night as well against the Red Sox. So uh, Rangers lead in the West is only down to a half game now. As Rangers and Astros have kind of been keeping up with each other. They've both been winning. And now the Rangers are losing. And... They're losing the uh, West mm-hmm. slowly but surely. 
there. Uh, Houston and Seattle both are still in position for the wild cards uh, right now. But the Red Sox, they're fading after uh, sweeping the uh, Yankees uh, recently. Now they're five game back in the wild card uh, with uh, Seattle coming on and Houston doing their thing as well. So uh, tailing off a little bit are the Red Sox. Yeah, according to ESPN, the wild card race. They have an 8.5% chance to make the playoffs. That's not great. That's not great. Saying there's a chance, but. I mean, it's better than the Yankees. It's better than the Cardinals. Yeah, that's that's for sure. I mean, that's something. Yankees, man. Nine in a row they lost. They lose again, two to one, against the Nationals last night. Their poor radio broadcaster. He doesn't know how to say this. He's just used to saying the Yankees win. I know. He doesn't it's, know what to do now. It's been rough. Uh, first time that they've lost since nine in a row since 1982. And did I read that stat right on uh, Twitter X that uh, no Yankee was alive right now? Uh, that's currently on the team since they've lost yeah, this many games in a row. The only, uh, Rizzo wasn't around? 1982. I may have got fooled by the internet, but uh, Yankees just. Nope, he was born in 89. Uh, so there you go. That's yeah, crazy. I guess I, I guess I have to believe <laughs> it, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm inclined. I'm inclined to believe it, so. Uh, man, Yankees not doing so hot this season and not doing so hot uh, right now. So, uh, Speaking of another team that's uh, in the cellar, that's the Cardinals. As we had Wainwright on the mound last night, and we said that this was important so he could get uh, win number 200 in Bush Stadium. Well, that didn't happen. It's not going to happen. Nope. I'm not even convinced 200 will even happen I told you. at this point uh, because Cardinals fell last night six to three and you know early on it was where I was fine and seemed like he was cruising there for a little bit but uh, it all went wrong. Yep. They're in the uh, fourth and then in the fifth inning uh, they really started to slide there and he didn't even make the inning nope. um, for well and it's just after every game it's just sad listening to his comments and whatnot. He's like, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell his fan base. (laughs) I don't know what to tell him. Again, I go back to the interview he did when he, quote, unquote, hurt his shoulder um, and went away, and he said, I will not come back to this team until I think I can help them. What are you still doing here then? Because right now you're not helping anything. Right. No. He is too proud of a person to tell himself he is done. Right. And no one in the Cardinal organization wants to be the one to tell him. Right. But that's what this is. Mm-hmm. Someone has to tell him, you're done. Mm-hmm. And no one is going to. And that's the sad thing. Right. As I've mentioned before, no one's going to remember this last year in the grand scheme of Adam Wainwright's career. No. But all of us who are living through it right now are going to remember it. Mm-hmm. For at least the next couple of years. Yeah, for sure. The fact that no one could tell him, you're done. This this is this is it. You know, you, you think of others who, I, I can't remember being in a situation like this, Travis, where someone announces, this is my last year, 
and then they go out and just cannot perform. Right. Yeah, there have been some instances where the tail end of people say that they that they're like this. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I can't remember I can't too many remember that specifically came out before the season started and said this upcoming season is going to be my last. Yeah, it's got to be someone, but just not thinking of them. I'm, I'm not thinking uh, right of now. And I know that it's important for uh, the organization to let them try to get to 200, but at this point the best thing for him to do is just to come out of the bullpen. And if he gets the wins, he gets the wins. If not, he can come out of the bullpen and get an out or two. You say that, An Travis, inning or two. Or an inning or two. But you factor that in with the news yesterday about Libertor going on the IL. Yeah, he went on a 15-day IL to that back tightness. You can't uh, they skipped to his start. have a starting pitcher. Right. The, the and, Cardinals are all out of starting pitchers. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's probably – making the situation even worse yes. and you know even makes it like all right well we'll try you out here because we have to yeah we don't have an or we'll option. try or try out triple a pitchers who've never pitched in the majors yeah. before yeah we don't have much of an we don't have much of options no the, so this, this is just a bad overall season and travis you know as we've talked about how much of a gut punch is it gonna be for adam wainwright to be too short mm-hmm. or one one short, short yeah and think in the short term did i tarnish this last year to still end up short right we've talked about it he had that that was the moment it was yeah for sure and he wanted to keep going to get 200 cuz he thought he could still contribute and he he just can't yeah and I don't know how much that's really affected his overall career ERA, but, you know, I always say that in my book he's a Hall of Famer, and if he gets to 200, he is for sure. But uh, in my book he's already a Hall of Famer, but he's kind of tarnishing the legacy a little bit by inflating that ERA and making the, the case for his Hall of Fame case a little worse every time he goes out there and inflates the RA. I appreciate what you're saying, Travis, but I don't think he's getting in the Hall of Fame. Like I said, the Cardinals Hall of Fame, absolutely lock. First round. No doubt. He hasn't won a single pitching award, Travis. Uh, let's see. He was, uh, what, like second in the Cy Young? Probably should have won that year. Yeah, he's been second and third a couple times. But he hasn't won it. He hasn't won any any awards. Silver Slugger. I don't, I don't think he's led the league in anything. Gold Glover. Yes, a Gold Glover and a Silver Slugger. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. And a three-time All-Star. Yeah. Sorry. There's a lot of other pitchers that will go in the Hall of Fame first. Possibly. Um, As we always talk about, eventually you're going to run out of people. Exactly. Eventually everyone's going to get in. But. Exactly. So, just couldn't get it done last night. And uh, also frustrations boiling over for Wilson Contreras as well. Uh, struck, striking out and then uh, putting his bat down and making it in the dirt where he thought the ball was. And 
and he gets thrown out and Ollie gets tossed as well. So mm-hmm. just a frustrating night there in uh, Pittsburgh and the game's going on right now behind us uh, here this afternoon with uh, Pirates and we close it out. We have the day off and we travel a short little distance, still stick it in uh, Pennsylvania, going to Philadelphia for the weekend. Miles Michaelis will be on the mound on Friday. And then the Cubs, it's your turn against the Pirates Yeah. this weekend after your series gets done with uh, do Detroit. Better. And uh, you're actually – don't get the day off tomorrow. Nope. You're going to be in Pittsburgh tomorrow evening. Justin Steele on the bump for the Cubbies Yay. on Thursday. So at least you have yep. that to look forward to yep. uh, there. By the way, I wanted to point out oldest player on the Yankees roster, Josh Donaldson. <laughs> yeah. Who was uh, born in 85. Ooh, 85. Close to that 82 year, but. Nope. Man. So your information was correct, Travis. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Let's take a rest of whip around uh, the rest of the, the uh, majors from last night. Uh, Tampa, they got the win over the Iraqis, uh, 12 to uh, 4. Uh, the Blue Jays got the win in extra innings over Baltimore, 6-3. to three. It was Brandon Belt's home run that helped Toronto pick up the dub, and uh, Toronto picks up a game in the division, but they're seven and a half back in the East. Uh, but that was good for the race purposes. Now they're two games back in the East there. Uh, the uh, Phillies, they got the win last night over the uh, Giants, 4-3, to uh, three, and it was in walk-off fashion. Trey Turner had the uh, game-winning hit there yesterday or last night, and that's a fascinating story there in uh, Philadelphia with uh, Trey Turner. Did you uh, Have I you did. seen this? No. Um, well, uh, a while back, he uh, got booed. I or, And then he got a standing ovation or something. He got a standing ovation in Philadelphia, and then ever since then, he's been on a tear. He's been like World Baseball Classic Trey Turner again. So, well, good for him. Yeah, they just I mean, he needed to be. Shown him, shown him some love, and ever since then, been on an t- absolute tear in the majors for Trey okay, Turner. That's a good thing. Philadelphia strongly in the uh, first wild card for the NL three and a half cushion uh, there. Uh, the Guardians, they got the win over the uh, Dodgers, 8-3. Uh, and that was only the Dodgers' third loss of August. So uh, the Braves, they picked up the win over the uh, Mets, 3-2. Uh, to two. Um, They uh, got the win. Uh, Astros, like I mentioned, 7-3 over the uh, Red Sox. And uh, Justin Verlander is having a little issues with his pitch com. And uh, Alex Cora was out to argue and uh, said not so good words to right. Mr. Cora yeah. <laughs> there. Uh, the Brewers, they picked up the win over the uh, Twins, a 7-2-3. to uh, So uh, the Brewers got a game on the uh, Cubs, 3.5, now in the central cushion. Uh, the Reds, they got a 4-3 to win over the Angels, spoiling Mike Trout's return to the Angel lineup ah. there. So the uh, Reds now four back, and uh, now they're only a half game out of the wild card there with a dub. The A's beat the Royals again, 5-2-4. And I mentioned that Diamondbacks-Rangers game, and the uh, Rangers actually um, 
Jordan Montgomery pitched a pretty good game, uh, and then uh, Rollis Chapman comes in and blows it. Yep. That was, the, that was the other night. Yeah, that was the other night. Hmm. That was with the bat flip from Marte. Gotcha. Uh, the Marlins got the shutout win over the uh, Padres, 3-2, nothing there. So Marlins still trying to stay in it. One game back of the wild card now mm-hmm. there in the National League. So uh, let's see. Uh, a lot of games going on here. Uh, today, the uh, Brewers finishing up with the uh, Twins in the afternoon. Corbin Burns going to four. Milwaukee, uh, Seattle trying to keep it going. Uh, Kirby against Kopech there for the White Sox. Um, Philadelphia finishing up with the San Francisco. Alex Cobb and Lorenzen going for the Phillies. Shohei Otani is on the mound for the Angels against the Reds. Daniel Contra going for the Marlins. Seth Lugo going for San Diego. Uh, Kevin Gosman against Jack Flaherty in that Blue Jays Orioles game. And uh, speaking of the Blue Jays, I saw that the other day that they designated Paul DeYoung for assignment, mm. and then he gets picked up by the Giants. All right, you're gonna say the Cardinals? Nope. Trading in is red and blue for orange and black. Um, Nationals finishing up with the uh, Yankees. Servino going. Well, actually, they'll play tomorrow, too, so never mind that. Uh, the Angels are the Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw going to four. L.A., Charlie Morton against Quintana in the Braves-Mets game. Uridi um, going for the Astros. And uh, the Angels and Reds will play another game uh, tonight. Doing a doubleheader to make up for that game they missed the other night, thanks to Hillary. Yep. So that's what happened in MLB last well, night. Well, there's one other thing, Travis, I wanted to get to for MLB before we move on. Mm-hmm. That's the White Sox. Yeah. Clean House fired Vice President uh, they Ken did, Williams yeah. and their general manager, Rick Hahn, on Tuesday. We saw a lengthy rebuild that led to playoff appearances in 2020 and 2021. Williams had been with the team, Travis, since 1992. And hmm. built the 05 World Series team. The team says they want to have a, quote, single decision maker, end quote, selected to build the roster by the end of the regular season. Hmm. You factor that in with the uh, news about uh, wanting to leave Chicago? Man, yeah. they're not bright and rosy over there in uh, the south side. No, absolutely not. So, hmm. Cleaning the house. Yeah, cleaning house. Getting it over with. You know, trading away some people at the yep. deadline, too. Getting rid of Julito. So, yep. not exactly uh, great things happening there for the White Sox. By the way, also uh, came across the wire yesterday, Travis, that the Cubs and Brewers were in with the Mets on Pete Alonso. They were trying to get I Pete saw Alonso. that. Oh. Pete Alonso and Cody Bellinger back-to-back. Not lineup mm. for the Cubs. That would have been decent. That would have been Plus, good. Plus, then he wouldn't have gotten the ire of the Cardinal fans by throwing Mason Wynn's ball into the stands because we don't play the Cardinals in the second half of the season. <laughs> See? Right. I bet Pete Alonso wishes he was traded to the Cubs because he wouldn't have the ire of St. Louis at him. Yeah. I doubt he cares. Oh, yeah. I doubt he does, too. So. He just sleeps on his pile of money. Oh, yeah. So, I would. I would. But. 
Yeah, didn't happen. Didn't happen. That coulda, coulda, shoulda, woulda, people. Yeah, yeah. At yep. the deadline, but all right, let's move on to uh, some uh, local sports here and uh, take a look at what happened in the uh, local sports world yesterday. Uh, baseball games that got canceled yesterday: Neo against St. Anthony, Brownstown and North Clay, Dietrich against CHBC, and South Central and Windsor Stew Straws. In a girls golf match that was supposed to happen, Topless and FEM, that was canceled. In a soccer, St. Anthony and Vandalia was canceled. And in tennis, it was Newton and Salem canceled as well. Expect the cancellations for the remainder of the week for outdoor activities there for practices and baseball games and whatnot. Uh, volleyball from last night, it did get a lot of games in. Uh, Brownstown picked up the win over Martinsville in two sets, 25-18, 25-18. South Central, uh, they uh, beat Ramsey in three sets. Ramsey got the first set, 25-23. South Central wins the second set, 25-15, 25-13. Okaw Valley wins over Nioga in three sets. Okaw Valley, 25-23 in the first set. Nioga comes back in the second and wins 25-14. And then a close third set, it was 27-25 final for Okaw Valley. Uh, Robinson, they uh, took down a North Clay, Clay City in two sets. Close first set, 27-25. And then Robinson wins the second set, 25-22 to take the match. And Sisney gets the win in two sets over Dietrich as well. Little Illini uh, Conference to Topolis. Uh, they win their second match in a row. They uh, defeat Olney last night, 25-15, 25-18. Uh, Chrisman over Marshall in three sets, 25-16. Marshall wins the second set, 25-17. And then Chrisman does that, but flip the scores. They win 25-17 in the third set. Paris over North Vermillion in three sets. Paris wins 25-12. Then North Vermillion comes back, 25-21. And then reverse the scores again. Paris wins over North Vermillion, 25-21 to take the match. Oblong wins its second match in a row. They beat Cumberland 25-19, 25-23 in two sets. Tri-County got the opening night dub over Tuscola 25-21, 25-14. Jaya Christian beat Arcola 25-5 and then 25-16 in the second set. And in the South Central, it was Carlinville over Bunker Hill in two sets, 25-9, 25-16. And it's Greenfield Northwestern over Gillespie, 25-21. Gillespie wins the second set, close one there, 26-24. And then Greenville wins the third and decisive set, 25-18 to finish up a volleyball action from last night. Uh, we do already have a couple of uh, cancellations for the uh, area. Uh, the uh, golf match that was supposed to take place in Olney, and with Topless, Charleston, Paris, Fairfield, that's been canceled. Oblong and Newton were supposed to have a golf match. Now that has been uh, canceled. Uh, same thing, it's Topless. We're supposed to square off in baseball. It's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Weber and South Central, not going to happen either. Uh, in a soccer, some of these soccer matches will probably have to be moved as well. Uh, Taylorville, Hillsboro, Macon, Meridian, North Mac, Warrensboro, Latham, and Eisenhower. And Pleasant Plains and Carlinville. And also today it was supposed to kick off the uh, red and gold tournament there in uh, Charleston. A lot of area teams are participating in that. And that's going to be uh, 
postponed until Saturday. Mm-hmm. So everybody in that tournament is going to play at least two games on Saturday. So uh, I know it was a big tournament there in Charleston, but uh, the Heat has disrupted yeah. the remaining of the week, and they're just going to go ahead and wait until it's going to be a little bit cooler uh, to play on a Saturday. So they're going to try to get it in. There's like four fields that's going to be involved, and it's going to be a busy day I mean, it's what you at have Charleston. To do. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, we'll be posting the schedule of the entire tournament uh, coming up later in the week uh, for that. So, mm-hmm. of course, to stay tuned to the website, fbmradio.com, and We'll keep you up to date with the uh, cancellations uh, there. And uh, you can also find on the website under our local sports tab. That's where we got the football schedule up for week one. We'll be diving deeper into the matchups uh, tomorrow and Friday. Uh, But I wanted to uh, pass along that uh, some of the uh, kickoffs have been pushed back in the area. Uh, Probably just a few of many to be uh, pushed back. I do know in the Apollo yesterday uh, that the Mount Zion and Bartonville limestone kickoff has been pushed back to 8 o'clock. The Olney and the Taylorville kickoff was pushed back to 8 o'clock, and it just came out this morning and confirmation by both schools that FEM and Robinson's uh, Game 1 kickoff has been pushed back to at least 8 o'clock. They're going to be monitoring the situation there with the uh, temperature and the um, temperature and warm-ups mm-hmm. and whatnot to see if they'll even be able to kick it off at 8 o'clock. Uh, but uh, Cumberland's also made a change to their kickoff as well. It's been pushed back 30 minutes as of now, so 7.30 as of now. And just one of many that I'm sure will be uh, yep. pushed back to try to – at least get it a little cooler in the day, in yeah, the night. Yeah, I saw Vandalia got pushed back to eight o'clock as well. So, mm. um, and I think south of here, not in our listing area, but south of here, they're already starting to do stuff for Sunday or Saturday. Saturday, and, yeah, and moving games. Mm. So, so we'll keep you up to date. Yes, we with, will. Uh, with all that, so make sure to stay tuned to the high school football schedule for week one. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and let's continue on with some uh, local sports and let's continue on with our football coverage. And we're ramping up to high school football starting uh, this Friday night. And we've been previewing all the conferences uh, from around the area that uh, we focus in on. And we got one conference remaining, and uh, that's where we find the FEM Hearts Conference It is the uh, Apollo Conference is on a tap for today. So let's go ahead and let's dive into that as the Apollo now is left with six teams. They are a lonely mm-hmm. conference with six teams, the minimum number of teams required by the IHSA to be recognized as a conference and to get those uh, playoff points and playoff eligibility and whatnot. Uh, Because Lincoln, they have left the conference. They're going back to the Central State 8 this year. That's the conference that they were previously in. So back to familiar surroundings uh, for them. So uh, last year was uh, another year on top of the conference for the Muhammad Seymour Bulldogs. Back-to-back Apollo Conference champions. 
back-to-back quarterfinal appearances and back-to-back 11-win seasons for the Bulldogs last year. They got bounced in the quarterfinals two years ago to Morton, and last year they got bounced by Morris. And this program and this community has had a nice showing since joining the Apollo Conference. Hasn't been an immediate impact like Mount Carmel has been in the Little Lini, but uh, still, in multiple sports, they've taken Apollo Conference titles, so uh, they're doing quite well in the Apollo. Program is thriving. The community is thriving there in Muhammad. It seems like their enrollment always seems to go up, and uh, they're solidly in 5A now, and so that's just the product of the community growing, and the program is thriving as well. I know that they're 5A, so... These numbers aren't exactly surprising, but 117 kids came out for football this year. That is insane. That's a, a big, That's what happens big number. Right. Yeah, exactly. People want to be part of winning programs. Yeah, so uh, Coach Atkins has done a great job there in uh, Muhammad. Now is going to be the real test, though. Uh, can they win after uh, the past two years' production and those past two years of talent? graduated. Wyatt Baum is uh, gone. He's at Iowa State now. Quentin Rogers, the dynamic receiver, he's at EIU now. Uh, two of their best defenders are gone as well. Nick Golden graduated and Castillas, he is playing baseball at SIU Edwardsville and also uh, another receiver in Walsh. He kind of came out of uh, nowhere to be a great performer for them last year. So uh, they do are returning their running back. Mm-hmm. So that's good from a skill position wise. They got six returning starters on the offensive side of the ball, and they got uh, four returning starters on the defensive side of things. So uh, did the talent graduate out, or is there going to be some well kept secrets there in Muhammad that only Muhammad people know about? But the Apollo Conference will soon find out. We'll see if they. Uh, or we're just sitting behind all those talented kids or whatnot that they're going to unleash at the varsity level this year. When you have 117 kids come out, Travis, you can find a couple diamonds in there. <laughs> yeah, a couple diamonds in the rough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, and I'm sure Muhammad will be uh, just fine uh, there. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- another team that went to the playoffs last year was uh, Mount Zion. Uh, they won in week nine, and that clinched the uh, playoff uh, berth for the uh, Braves and Coach Etherton uh, there has built a great program there for uh, Mount Zion. Uh, they beat Modern Day in Week 9, and then the other Breeze got revenge for them. I know that there's no love lost between Central and Modern Day, no. but my, uh, Mount Zion got bounced in the first round uh, against Breeze Central. A lot of hype here for the uh, Braves because they return a lot of skill position guys. I know that they were replacing pretty much everyone on their offensive line. I think four out of the five starters when uh, they were playing Effingham last year that they're going to have to replace. But a lot of hype around them because they got their three-year starting quarterback back, McCoby Adams. They also got their starting running back as well. Bryson Richardson is back as well for his senior season. And they should have all four wide receivers back, including the dynamic sophomore uh, Braden Trimble as well. If you haven't heard of him, you probably should, as he's already on some radar of some Division One schools. I know he picked up a D1 offer from Northwestern, and he was only as a sophomore. So he's just going to pick pick up even more offers, yep. and the offers are just going to be raked in here. 
Uh, and you can see why he had over 1,100 receiving yards, 12 touchdowns uh, last year, and 74 receptions as a sophomore, uh, which is great numbers uh, for him. They also have Grant McAtee back at the receiver position as well, and a player to watch out for possibly as a sophomore for them this year. He had a kind of an impact as a freshman, but it'll, his role will just grow. It's J.C. Anderson. He uh, was listed at 6'7 as a freshman. So he's an outstanding player on the football field and on the basketball floor mm -hmm. as well. So a lot of hype to the Braves this year. I know they got a lot to replace up front, but uh, bringing a lot of back in skill position there from Mount Zion. Yeah, they are. And, again, we, we've talked all week long, Travis, about teams with legacy, teams that are just football factories. Mount Zion's one of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they are. They're always always good since my – since my f high school fandom mm -hmm. uh, has been around seven so in school, so I expect nothing less from Mount Zion again this year. And then uh, third in of the conference last year was the FEM Hearts. They returned to uh, the uh, playoffs after missing out a couple of years ago. As uh, a lot to replace here, a lot of roster turnover for the Hearts. Twenty-three uh, seniors they graduated a year ago, so. Uh, that was also important because that was kind of the last senior group that had any sort of connections to the 2019 team mm -hmm. and also the 2020 team that was uh, good as well. So uh, a lot of new things for uh, FEM, particularly on offense. I know they already have a couple of injuries as well, and uh, they do have uh, Dunstan back at, at running back. He was basically the starter last year because uh, Westendorf was hurt for the majority of the season. And also uh, the new quarterback this year is a Gage Gillum, who's taken over under center. And the big things for him is just to get some varsity reps and uh, to uh, learn the ropes at least early on here for uh, the Hearts. But mm -hmm. uh, one strong suit for FEM should be that defense, particularly the uh, defensive line and linebackers. This year, they bring back Charlie Ring. He's been putting in the work in the offseason, as well as if you listen to any of our broadcasts last season, you know me and Dominic praise the, this guy almost nightly. Mike Love, we love me, we love some Mike Love. He's just all around the football, and he's got a high motor, and so he is back this season, and he should be a problem for Apollo offensive lines. Uh, they also are bringing back one of their linebackers, Spencer Fox, as well, he was second team all Apollo last year. He's looking to make the first team this year. Little uh, inexperience with varsity time in mm -hmm. the secondary. Uh, Zach Donaldson is one of the veteran guys uh, there in the secondary. But uh, I like the defensive line and linebackers. But uh, we'll see if the, those guys can take off a little bit of the pressure in that uh, young secondary for the Hearts. Yeah, they are very young, Travis, uh, especially, like you mentioned, in that secondary. Uh, they're replacing a lot, as you mentioned, as has been mentioned by everyone when every time you talk about <laughs> FKM Hearts football yeah. this year. There's a lot to replace. Mm -hmm. That can be sometimes good, and that can sometimes be bad. Mm -hmm. We'll have to see what it is for the Hearts. Yep. So uh, three new opponents as well on the schedule as well. Of course, week one against Robinson. We'll dive deeper more into that in the next couple of days. Uh, but they also are having another new team in week two against Mount Carmel. And then they finish the season at Centralia 
as well. So we'll see how All three playoff teams too. Yeah. So how about that? Replacing those teams there. Uh, next up, we have Charleston, as we heard from Coach Halsey already uh, this week. It's a new, old ball coach there for the Trojans. You know the story there. They lost the first five games of the season, and then they went on a winning streak to close out the year strong. They won the last four to a springboard momentum and uh, give some life back into this program uh, there at 4-5 and five with that four-game winning streak. Yeah, and, you know, they they still have a lot of talent around, you know. Yes, they, they do. Like everyone, they lost some talent, but they still have some some young talent there uh, at Charleston. And and you know, sometimes all it takes, Travis, is attitude. Mm-hmm. Just a switch and a change in the attitude can do wonders for a football team. Yep. And I think that's what Coach Halsey's going for. Um, you know, this is a guy who coached them to their biggest success. Yep. Early on stepped away was still a teacher still interactive mm-hmm. with these kids and he said you know in the interview that's what brought him back to coaching was seeing them being sad and down yep. and everything like that it was it was hurting him that's someone who cares not mm-hmm. just about football but about that specific team yep and to me that makes him a little dangerous it does because they're going into this season i think travis was something to prove there Yep, they're looking to get back to their winning ways, and they got a coach that has a proven track record to do it. So uh, there is some hype for behind the Trojans, and that's the first time in uh, a little while that they had that in that program. Uh, next up is uh, Taylorville. Uh, they had a, a tough schedule last year. They got a tough schedule this year. They got yep. six playoff teams on that schedule and uh, they now have had back-to-back two and seven seasons for the uh, tornadoes and down years for uh, Taylorville after a couple of years ago with uh, the Brandon Odom and that squad taking the Apollo titles and a lot of sports for Taylor have been down really except for girls basketball who finished second in the Apollo last year um Taylorville having a little down years all the way around. This is going to sound weird, and it's not meant to sound weird by me saying it, but it, but it is. Travis, ever since that tornado went through, mm-hmm. it feels like ever since that tornado went through, the sports in the community has just gone down. Right. It's just a weird correlation. Yeah, it's a weird correlation. But uh, one thing for them, though, that they only had three or four seniors on last year's team. So they have a lot of returning players. So a lot of returning varsity experience. We'll see if that translation uh, translates into uh, more wins or not. We'll have to see on the field. But like I said, tough, tough schedule uh, for the Tornadoes uh, with the Apollo plus the other teams that they have on the uh, schedule yep. uh, as well. I was going to pull up some of those opponents that I have here. Uh, of course, they start with Alney yep, in week Robinson, one, Robinson, Columbia, Columbia. and uh, Bethalto Civic Memorial. They close out the season with. Yeah, Bethalto was only 1-8 and eight last year, but they're usually pretty decent. I was say, I, I thought they usually were. Yeah. And then uh, Mattoon, uh, they had some growing pains last year for uh, first-year head coach Jerry Kimbrough, and their only win was to uh, Taylorville by a field goal there for the uh, Green Wave. They do have some uh, players returning. I think they return their quarterback, uh, but uh, obviously not what you wanted in your first year as the head coach finishing 1-8. and eight. No, 
But again, as we've talked about, Travis, that means there's only one way to go, and that's up. Yep. Uh, but just like Taylorville, tough schedule. Yep. They're at Troy Triad week one, Alney, Highland, uh, Marion to close out the season. So yep. uh, those are playoff teams, plus all the teams that made the playoffs in the Apollo. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of playoff teams. A lot of playoff on teams. the uh, on the schedule. So uh, we'll see what happens uh, there for the Green Wave. Mm-hmm. All right, and now the time has come to do exactly what we've been doing, uh, like the rest of the conferences. So we need to finish this Apollo off, and we need to pick who we think is going to take the Apollo Conference this year. So you know the drill. Let's start from the bottom up. Who is at number six? I got Taylorville at six. Taylorville at six. Yep, I mean, it's hard to argue with uh, the schedule. Uh, Unfortunately, I have put uh, Mattoon here at six. I have Mattoon at five. Yeah, and I think you could flip-flop either way. You really could. Either one of those. Um, Both of those, to me, are in you're there until you prove me otherwise kind kind of mode. And I don't see anything that has made me really stick out as this is something to point to that could show promise for mm. either of these schools this year. Right. Yeah, exactly. So uh, now is where things could get intriguing. Uh, who do you have at number four? I have Charleston at four. Charleston at four. Mm-hmm. Mm. I, I like what they're doing there. I like the upward trend I am seeing with that football program. I think the hiring of the, the Coach Halsey was a great move for the, the school. Um, and for the, for the football program, I still think that they just don't quite have the home run hitter and that DNA of winners that mm-hmm. I would like to put them any higher than four. Do I think that they could possibly make the playoffs at five and four? Possibly. Yeah. But I, I think I, I can't put them higher than four right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think what's in their favor is they do have some uh, winnable games on yes, their schedule uh, as well. So uh, I would agree that they are doing good things there in Charleston. But I'm kind of going out on a limb here. I'm going to go uh, my number four here is Muhammad. I mean, maybe they got some hidden athletes there that we haven't seen or at the varsity level. So I'm going to put them at number four here. Well, Travis, I got your hearts at three. My heart's at three. Yep. So, you know, I don't think that's a a bad place. A lot of question marks. A lot that you're having to replace. Sure. How long does it take to get the chemistry? You know, you can build up chemistry with guys when you're scrimmaging against the other team where you know what defense they're playing and they know what offense you're playing. And it's easy to do it there. Do it in a real game setting. Right. It takes a couple of games to get that mojo together. Right, for sure. And I think it is going to take a little bit to uh, have that continuity with the uh, the offense. Uh, tough draw in week two against Mount, Mount yeah. Carmel. I think, you know, once again, you have another smaller school than you, but Mount Carmel's pretty top of the class mm-hmm. uh, there as well. And then, of course, week three, you got the modern day game, and I think they're bringing back uh, quite a lot from uh, a year ago 
as well. And Centralia is kind of a wild card. I think they had a down year mm-hmm. last year, but historically they've they been, been a pretty playoffs. solid, yeah, pretty solid squad. So uh, I think maybe it's all going to come down to those final three weeks mm-hmm. for the Hearts. Um, you know, by the time week seven rolls around when they go to Muhammad, we'll find out who the Bulldogs are, if they're going to be just as good as they have been or maybe take a slight step back or a major step back here, I guess, if you're – Major step back. Mm-hmm. He said number four, mm-hmm. uh, like I do. Uh, number three, I I have the the Charleston Trojans uh, slotted in here at three. So uh, I think being number three in the conference, that means that they have had a, no, a good enough record to uh, make the playoffs. Whether that be five and four, they mm-hmm. can get in uh, mm-hmm. there. And I have a number three. I have Mount Zion at number two. Again, just a football factory. I mean, you, you can't put Mount Zion any less than third every year when we do this. They just keep producing athletes. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll put Mount Zion at two. I don't know who's the homer here, but I have Effingham at uh, number two here for the uh, Hearts. Unfortunately, I couldn't go a full full homer, uh, so I uh, put them here at uh, number two for the Effingham Hearts. I got Muhammad at one. I know Travis says they're going to fall off. They, you know, they're just having to replace so much stuff. But again, you are one of the biggest schools in the conference, a weaker conference than it has been in a while. You're one of the bigger schools and you're on an uptick. As you said, Travis, 117 kids come out. You can't tell me that there are not diamonds in there. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just believe in the coaching staff up there. I believe in what they're doing. They are a team that is a hot team for the past couple of years. They are. So I don't see any reason, at least early on, not to to doubt them. We'll know by week three, Travis, when they take on Highland and they take on Quincy Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So uh, we'll, we'll see there. And like you said, 996 students. They are the uh, biggest school in the Apollo. The second largest is the Mattoon Green Wave at 934 students. So uh, I don't see, I don't, uh, me and Eric don't uh, see eye to eye with this one. I think that they're just bringing too many uh, people back, and that's the Mount Zion Braves. They're ready to take this conference back. They haven't won it since 2019. They're ready to be top dogs again. And when you're bringing back a three-year starter, you're getting a receiver that has D1 looks and Braden Trimble and is as fast as he is, plus your entire receiving core. I know it's a little scary that they're trying to replace virtually everyone on their O-line, but, hey, it's a factory up there. You talked about it's a factory. It's an institution. It's a factory there. I believe in the facilities there that they have at Mount Zion. So uh, they always seem to produce good offensive linemen. And, you know, I think their defense should be uh, pretty solid as well. They, they, they've seen enough of this Muhammad and, you know, 2020 was what it was. And I think that they had a good game against Effingham uh, that year. We tried to put 2020 all out of our minds there, but, uh, Mount Zion's ready to take this conference back, and I think they do just that. And so I'm going to pick Mount Zion here to finish number one in the Apollo and take the Apollo title back to Mount Zion this year. 
And let's go ahead and continue on with the trend of high school football. We got to get to some high school football coaches here on the podcast today. And so we got three coming at you, including two brand new coaches there in one in Casey and one in Arcola. Eric caught up with both of those gentlemen taking over there at those schools. So we'll hear from those two gentlemen, and then we'll also hear from Coach Weekly from Central A&M as they had another solid year there for A&M, and I caught up with him. So we'll unleash those interviews coming at you right now. Eric Fry, happy to be joined by KZ Westfield coach Fritz Nick. Good morning, coach. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Glad to talk to you here about some KZ football and uh, KZ coming off a four and five season last year. But you are the new coach there in town. So tell me a little bit about uh, just kind of what drew you to this KZ program. Well, um, actually, I, w- I was somewhat recruited. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that and it didn't take much recruiting. Um, <laughs> I had coached for several years, um, uh, thir- uh, fourteen years total um, uh, football back when I was teaching um, several years ago. And then uh, I don't know. A lot of people do know that I was superintendent at Aldemont, and then mm-hmm. I retired from Vernon Township High School. And I actually was doing some consulting work, and I was over here at Casey talking with Dr. John Julius uh, about. Uh, a program that I was helping uh, a business work, and and he said he he had actually umpired some some baseball games when I was coaching American Legion baseball uh, mm-hmm. at Al- and uh, he said, hey coach, have you ever thought about getting back into it? And and I said, well, I guess if the right job came open, and um, he says, well, our head football job's open, and I would really like for you to consider being our head football coach. And one thing led to another. And here I am. <laughs> here you are, and you know you're looking. I, I wouldn't say turn around, but I, I'll be honest. When I grew up, uh, I, I went to Newton in uh, you know '05 to '09 uh, time frame, and KZ football was a powerhouse. It was an institution, um, and, and they had a streak of going from 2001 all the way through 2014, making the playoffs. But the past couple of years have been a little, a little iffy there uh, at KZ. Trying to turn around, made the playoffs in 2021. At six and four, but coming off a four and five season, coach, how do you uh, attack uh, this this roster and and this team to try and get it back into what is traditionally known as KZ football? Well, you know, when you have tradition and it kind of disappears for a little bit, mm-hmm. um, it it really isn't that difficult to to try to get it back. Um, at least uh, my experience here at KZ, I, I have to tell you, I I got hired, I believe, in March at the March board meeting. I started coming to uh, weight training um, shortly after that in March, April, May, and really got to know these young men and just saw the work ethic that they had in the weight room and what they're, you know, I I got to watch some of them play basketball, you know, over at, uh, even at Aldemont in the Mm -hmm. sectional. And I looked at and I said, wow, these guys are athletic and, you know, they're they're big, they're strong, they're fast, um, they're smart. And... The, the, the programs that I had coached before and the program that I have come from, my home high school, Morris, Illinois, and, and playing at Eastern Illinois University, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, it was a, I just thought if we can get these guys in great shape and give them the belief that 
a, a program that we have offensively and a program that we have defensively and focus on special teams, I think we can spin things around pretty quickly. And, um, you know, Friday night's going to be our first test, but what I've seen leading up to just this week uh, has been very promising. And uh, all the way through the summer, um, seven-on-seven competitions, we played fairly well. We do have a young quarterback in Nolan Clement. He's a sophomore, but he got thrown into the fire last year as a freshman and did a really great job. Um, but we are we, we have this really nice balance of seniors and juniors and sophomores. And I tell you, the last two days of practice, we practice it from 5.45 to 7.15 a.m., and we have been sharp. We have been crisp. We have been um, very in tune to the game plan, and our, I think our guys are just ready to go play against somebody else. Yeah, ready to hit somebody else. I've heard a lot of coaches uh, say that here, talking about the last week uh, before for the game. And let's talk about your week one opponent. It is a school that is non-conference, an independent school, but a very good independent school, um, especially at the 1A level, and that's uh, Red Hill traveling down to Red Hill uh, this Friday night. What are you expecting out of the team traveling to face a playoff team in Red Hill from last year? Well, you know, watching film from last year, um, you know, Red Hill, you know, earned the win last year. Mm-hmm. They, they really they took advantage of some things that that uh, Casey just didn't didn't take care of and stop. And and so we focused on that. And honestly, since since day one, I have focused on this first game with them, and and I've made sure that our guys, you know, that's been their focus too. That that the next game isn't any of the other eight schools. It's it's Red Hill. And um, and going to their place, you know, they always play good at home. Red mm-hmm. Hill does, and and so you know, I think I think what we have to do is we have to go down there and we have to set a tempo that is Casey Westfield football tempo, uh, both offensively and defensively, and stick to our game plan. And I believe that uh, based upon watching these guys um, change and in, in, into the the offensive scheme and defensive schemes that we're doing, I believe that it's going to be a very competitive football game. And, um, and I'd like to say that we're going to be on the, on the W side of it at the end of it. And, Coach, before I, I wrap up things here with you, can you just tell us a couple of players that people are uh, wanting to, to watch the game or are there in the stands uh, coming up this Friday night? Who are a couple people people should keep their eye on both offensively and defensively? Yeah, offensively and defensively, I have a young man, uh, Connor Sullivan, um, very big, strong, athletic young man, being recruited pretty heavily by many schools, and he's going to be our—he's going to be one of our running backs and, and our middle linebacker. Uh, he has a great work ethic. He's also was the elected captain, and so he's—he's going to be one. Um, obviously, Nolan Clement, our quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, he's long. He's tall. He's athletic. He's fast. He sees the field really well, um, and he and he runs our offense with a with a really genuine patience, uh, which is phenomenal for a sophomore to be able to do that. Um, also, a senior, Brady Rhodes, is going to be uh, one of our receivers and defensive back. He's also a captain. Um, really expecting big things out of Brady. This is only his second year playing football, but but boy, what an athletic young man. Um, Ryan Richards. Uh, Ryan Richards is one of the fastest guys in the LIC. Um, six foot four, has excellent hands. Uh, the one thing about Ryan, he's a junior. 
but he will come up and and he'll hit you too. So when we do put him on defense, he's uh he's a very aggressive young man defensively mm-hmm. and he's a very talented receiver. Uh, we also have Grant Kochnauer. The Grant's going to be a tight end for us on offense um, and be a, an outside linebacker for us defensively. He's a senior. He's also a captain. And uh, um, and then lineman wise, I have I only have one senior lineman, uh, Owen Richardson, and he's a captain. And uh, he's a four-year program guy, but man, he has worked extremely hard. Just to watch him grow from March to today, physically, is just really pretty astonishing. And um, and then we have all juniors uh, at the rest of our offensive line. Wow! And but the thing about those guys, they don't play like juniors, and they don't practice like juniors. They they practice like guys that that have they're very well seasoned. And I have to tribute quite honestly, some of that to our JFL program. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really do a great job of developing those these young men when they're chi- when they're you know seventh and eighth grade. Right. And so we don't have to teach a lot of stuff their freshman and sophomore year. So we'll have uh, Tommy Roberts at center. We'll have uh, uh, Connor Hawkins at, at one tackle. We'll have Kane at our at our other tackle. Um, another young man is going to be a really impressive player for us. Will be Fred Thomas. He's uh, he's extremely fast, extremely athletic, and very strong, and uh, he's going to play tight end for us a little bit. Um, we also may we have the ability to move him like to an offensive tackle if we need to, just because of numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's also going to be a defensive end for us. And I tell you what, quarterbacks have to really pay attention to Fred because he is he is lightning fast. Um, so so we have some young men that are, I mean, I could just go on and on. We have a great roster for a, for a 1A school. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I have to just say this about the team as a whole. We, uh, they have practiced extremely hard, extremely well. I've pushed them. I told them when I met with them very first time, you're going to be in the best shape of your life because if you want to win football games, you have to win them in the fourth quarter. And so our guys have pushed themselves um, beyond the pain threshold to make themselves better individuals and better teammates. And uh, so I'm pretty excited about where we're at right now. All right, Coach. Well, we wish you the best of luck this Friday night against Red Hill. And we'll talk to you again next week. Okay, Coach? Thank you so much. Have a great week. Eric Fry, happy to be joined by Coach Snyder of the Arcola Purple Riders. Hello, Coach. How are you doing today? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing good. So glad to be talking about football at a high school level again. And talking about Arcola, you talk about a team that definitely has a history. Coach, last year, kind of not what we're expecting to see out of Arcola. Finishing 4-5, and five, that ended a playoff streak that dated back to the 2014 season. Obviously, minus the 2020 uh you know, COVID year, and uh, uh, Coach Lindsay has stepped aside, and you've now stepped in. First of all, what drew you to Arcola, Coach? Uh, so, uh, I've obviously, I'm a big uh, football fan in general, and being, I've coached in the state since I got out of college, so i kind of known the, the premier programs a little bit, so Arcola, I, I kind of always knew about. It was it was really far away from everywhere that I'd been, mm-hmm. um, but what kind of kept me connected, uh, there was uh, Nick Lindsay, and and uh, so Nick and I actually played a year together at Eureka. Gotcha. Uh, his senior year was my freshman year. Uh, so we had always kind of stayed in touch after school, and it kind of always kept me checking our cola, this and that. And uh, um, when he stepped down, uh, he said, hey, 
I'm stepping down. If you're interested in interviewing, send send your stuff this way. So uh, it, it kind of all worked out um, from there, but that's kind of how – and, and, and of course, I'm, like I said, I'm a big football guy. So right. to be part of that that kind of tradition is is awesome, because that's what that's what I want. That's what I love. And uh, getting down this way, my wife's family is from Maroa, so the Decatur area there. Mm-hmm. So definitely a lot closer to her family than we were uh, in Orangeville or Morrison uh, on my previous two stops. So getting down this way to uh, to get, get a little bit closer to her her family and then uh, re- reconnect here with Nick is great. That, uh, I want to both in the classroom and in the football field. Uh, that that's the kind of guy that I want to work for. Yeah, I, I interactions multiple times with Coach Lindsey, nothing but uh, positive things for me to say. Uh, and on the football field, he was a, a very good coach as well, 41-18 and 18 in his six years there. And uh, now you step into this program that, like I said, coming off a 4-5 and five season, not a playoff season. Uh, so trying to, to turn that around, Coach, and, uh, you know, tell me just a little bit about, you know, you're joining a new, as you said, a new area, a new conference, and a new style of football than probably what you're used to playing. How does that affect the way you're going to coach this Arcola team? I guess that's the, that's the biggest thing when you're stepping into any program is, is getting to know those kids right away and making a connection with them, showing that, hey, I'm here for them. I'm not here for, I'm not here for my accolades. I'm not here for anything like that. I've been doing this for 10 years now and the, the, there's no greater reward, uh, than developing that kind of connection with a kid that when he graduates, he, he calls you and says that he had a positive influence on, on his life. So I think that's the biggest step because once you do that, if you make the experience great for them, uh, everything else takes care of itself. So starting that right away when I got hired, I came down as many times as I could, March, April, May, and then um, obviously right away in June, I got down here. We actually bought a house in July, so from June to July, I lived in an RV in a campground here <laughs> in Arcola because I wanted to be close to the kids. I wanted to be able to work at the school whenever I needed to mm-hmm. and show them, and it kind of became like a funny little joke, um, but I think it went along way in the fact that hey he's here for us he's not here for him or anything else the guy's living in an rv for pete's sake and it kind of it was just kind of a funny little thing so i think more than anything else um stepping in that that's just what you have to do is you have to make it known that guys this is all of us together not me not you not anything else and like i said that the wins and losses kind of take care of themselves uh after that point and coach, just talking to you, uh, just about you know, kind of football and and you know philosophies and and we'll say you know offense and defense and and kind of what are you looking at for this Arcola team here for this upcoming season? Uh, so I guess I, I mean I'm not an I'm not an old guy by any stretch of the imagination. I'm 32, and I might be I might be the only coach under under 50 in the state that that still truly believes in a a three back offense. So uh-huh. I'm a 
I'm a Delaware wing tee guy, and you'll, you'll see a little bit of wishbone. And the kids have really, like, uh, jumped on that and kind of found it exciting because I try to make it exciting. Um, because you don't see it a lot anymore, especially um, down in this half of the state. So mm-hmm. when I was coaching at Orangeville uh, in, the, in the NUIC conference, obviously you had Lena Winslow, you had Dakota, you had Stockton, you had Galena. And all those schools every year, year in, year out, that, that's what it was. We were all um, just trying to beat up on each other but that's all you saw was that old school physical all the time we're going to wear you out type of type of offense and uh that that's what i that's what i hope to instill here is is not that hey this is this is better football or this is worse football it's just hey we're buying into this system and we're buying into this system because even I, I think it gives us a great chance to beat teams that are better than us because we can keep the ball away from them. So that's kind of the understanding and, and teaching them, hey, we're not just doing this just to do this. We're doing this because we want to believe in this system that's going to give us a great opportunity to win um, no matter who we're playing. And, Coach, I can speak for that from experiences. I'm usually the broadcaster for Cumberland Pirate football, and I remember when Orangeville came down and played Cumberland yeah. and seeing that offense yeah. that you were talking about. So um, I'll have a chance to see that firsthand coming up September 29th uh, for sure. But let's talk about week one at home against Nokomis. Nokomis, a team that there's quite a few unknowns about just joining the Lincoln Prairie Conference. You being a coach that uh, hasn't coached in this area you know, full-time, there's a lot of unknowns heading into this week one matchup. What are you expecting out of the kids going into week one? Just expecting, hey, we're, we're here and we, we've prepared for everything and we're going to make sure that we just go out and play good, solid football. We don't want to make mistakes and things like that. So from, from that aspect, that's all I'm asking of them is, hey, it doesn't matter who we're playing, doesn't matter new team, because it's a new team for them. Yep. Uh, they're seeing they I'm sure unless they they found a way to find some of my old tape they probably don't know a whole lot about me um and, and things like that so it's the it's the same for both so just showing up ready to play football block and tackle well that's the most important thing everything else can fall into place because like I said we've done a lot of prep for everything but I was also able to since COVID happened um, everybody's got game tape on YouTube or the Mm -hmm. NFHS network and things like that so I was actually able to find some of their games from last year on that and kind of say hey this is what they were doing last year but again that doesn't always mean anything a lot of things can change year to year if they're doing that and going hey this is what our cola did last year it's going to be completely different so um you kind of got to prepare um for everything week one um no matter what your situation is so that that's kind of what i told the boys it's like it doesn't matter what they show up in we're ready for everything all we need to do is play football and coach to some of the people who may be showing up in the stands this friday night who are a couple of the players uh, to keep an eye on for both the offensive and defense inside of the football uh, I think right away uh, our biggest impact players, uh, you're going to see the biggest guy on the field uh, is hopefully going to be the most violent guy on the field too, Anthony Garza, an offensive and defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, a, he's a real leader on our team, and he's a very physical kid, and I think he's going to stick out right away along with Brockton Morford. Um, Brock is a, another senior who just – 
relishes contact, and I think that's going to stick out um, right away to people also on both offense and defense. He's going to be a running back and a linebacker for us. Um, those are two kids that I think are uh, kids that try to set the tone mm-hmm. um, for the game for the rest of their teammates. Whether they want to or not, I think they're in those roles. Uh, so I'm excited to see what those two uh, can do Friday night. And Coach, I always ask every coach I interview week one at this point in the season, are you ready for the kids to start hitting another team? Um, and I th- I know they are. So um, I know they're ready to get out there and see somebody other than uh, other Purple Riders, and that's exciting. It's like you said, it's the, it, we're, we're finally back to game week, and it's the most exciting time of the year, especially in the state of Illinois, with, with, a, with a great program and a great history in it's just exciting to be back and exciting to be playing a regular football game instead of some kind of scrimmage that we set up for ourselves in practice. All right, Coach. Well, we wish you the best of luck this Friday night, and we'll talk to you next week, okay? I really, really appreciate you having me. Travis Sparks here on the starting lineup, joined by Central A&M head coach Brent Weekly. And uh, thanks for joining the show again this year. And how's it going for you, prepping for week one? You know, kind of like we talked, uh, we're trying to deal with the heat, you know, trying to figure out, you know, when and how we can get our practice time in. But, you know, uh, it's been a pretty uh, been a pretty normal uh, summer for us, which is uh, great. And our kids have had an opportunity. I think they're pretty uh, excited about the chance to go out and play on Friday, uh, go against a tough Leroy team. And well-coached, good tradition there. And it'll be uh, positive and good for us to have that experience to go up and play again uh, up there. And kind of see what we're made of yeah and week one's uh, stressful enough but now you got to deal with uh, adjusting to the practice schedule and whatnot I know it's something that everybody's dealing with right now with uh, the extreme heat but it's just kind of stressful that it's week one and then uh, trying to adjust the practice schedule ironically I told the kids you know the first week the weather was unbelievably great for the first week of August there I uh-huh. said, hey, Fellas, I'm just going to tell you, game week, it seems to happen. If we don't have hot weather in the first two weeks, game week, week one, we're going to get just blazing hot weather. And sure enough, uh, that happened. I feel feel bad that I you know, said that that was going to actually happen, but our kids are mad about it too. But anyway, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is what it is. Everybody's dealing with the same thing, and we're trying to make the best of it the best we can. With Heck, I didn't even know what a gold thermometer was and have to deal yeah. with all that stuff. And, you know, now, uh, you know, we have to get the reading to see how many, uh, <laughs> what the degree is. Hopefully it's not uh, 90 degrees or higher tonight mm-hmm. at 6. And, uh, you know, just get the chance to get that done and, and, and get the – get the most done with what time we have and and not try not to take too much out of them because uh you know as a smaller school you only have so many kids and Mm -hmm. you darn sure don't want anybody getting hurt on a tuesday uh prior to week one or dehydrated or any of that other stuff so you know you just do the best you can with the short time that you're given and uh do the make the most of it I had no idea what the, they were talking about with those thermometers either, so I guess everyone was kind of learning on the fly with that, I guess. Uh, before we look towards uh, this season, uh, last year for the uh, Raiders, it was another playoff appearance. You went 6-3 and three in the regular season. You fell to the other top teams in the CIC, and you lost in round one to uh, Cesar Valier. Now you would have liked to have had a more longer stay in the postseason, but you had some injuries along the way at some key 
positions. And uh, I thought all in all, uh, six and four record with everything that you were dealing with last year with the injuries and everything, it was still a pretty a solid year and another playoff appearance for the Raiders. Yeah, I think it's a credit to those kids. I think uh, credit to those kids to not let uh, situations uh, allow them to create an excuse. Uh, you know, really proud of those guys, really proud of the coaching staff for finding ways to win some games uh, that maybe, you know, uh, we might have been slightly out-talented in and a few of them. And mm-hmm. uh, really good job by those kids uh, executing and getting the opportunity to continue uh, playing in the postseason. And one of those uh, guys that you're trying to place this season of that was a senior a year ago was Colby Morrison. He did a lot for you offensively, and he played on the defensive side of the ball as well. So he's going to be one of those guys and one of those holes that you're looking to uh, try to replace this year. Yeah, you know, Colby did a lot for us. He was one of those guys that, you know, really never really got a a chance to kind of show what he could do because of all the guys in this class who, uh, you know, we talked about the injuries and that stuff, and he kind of got an opportunity to do it. And uh, he kind of ran with that opportunity for us. Uh, You know, like you said, trying to replace him right now, we're trying to figure that out. Competition's good. We got some uh, seniors, a couple sophomores vying for that position, and and it's it's good uh, as far as guys – making sure they bring their best effort every uh, every single night of practice. Another one of those guys that may be trying to fill that role that may be having a more of an impact this season, uh, Carter Thomas. He did uh, some things for you, but uh, he seems like a guy that might have a, an important role in maybe a breakout season in that role. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, him for us defensively last year, uh, he was our best guy defensively. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't think a five foot eight, one hundred and fifty pound kid. Uh, you look at him uh, soaking wet; he weighs that. And, uh, you wouldn't think a guy like that would have a huge impact, but he does so much for us. He gets us lined up defensively. Uh, he make, gets every check uh, in coverage, and, and and is smart and able to analyze things from the back there defensively and offensively. We got to find a way to get him the ball uh, multiple different ways. And I think, you know, like you said, he'll have a chance to make some plays for us. Who's one of those guys that have kind of stepped up uh, offensively? What's the quarterback situation look like? And what's uh, up front with those guys blocking for those rushers and the quarterback uh, this year looking like? Well, uh, we actually, believe it or not, we're one of the very few people probably in the state who can say at the beginning of the year we we return all five of our offensive linemen, Uh, you know, as we talked about it. Evan Moreland, uh, we went up to a seven-on-seven lineman challenge at Moroa, and he ended up tearing his labrum, Uh, so we have to replace him. But we still have four four guys back that played were were the offensive line last year, and uh, that's not anything to kind of scoff at. That's something that's really, really nice to have that continuity and, Mm-hmm. We got some guys vying for that that spot, and you know, quarterback uh, still Drew Damery will be his third years third year as a starter for us. And, uh, look forward to uh, see what he can do for us. Uh, you know, he's taking a lot of strides in the in the passing game, and uh, really taking on some leadership and, and and trying to figure out. You know, Drew's not much of a of a vocal guy. Uh, mm-hmm. He's more of a lead by example guy. Uh, we were talking about it. Uh, <laughs> Ironically, uh, you know, we talk about, you know, you think about you got these lineman type guys coming back or whatever, and then we I just wrote down a top ten leaderboard on everything, a bench squat, clean, deadlift. Uh he's the leader in three of the four and oh, wow. uh you know, he's well put together and uh, you know, we keep him healthy. Last year he got dinged up uh mm-hmm. week two 
and hopefully we can keep him healthy all year being around it'll, it'll be it'll be nice to see what he can do production wise with a full healthy season right and uh, four out of the five starters on offensive line that's pretty good uh trying to keep him up right there on the defensive side he had a pretty impressive year all in all on that side of the football that unit last year handed out three shutouts and a three other times in the other wins uh you only let up six points and so uh i think you got some numbers uh, returning on that side of the football as well that was uh all in all a pretty impressive unit yeah i mean we got nine to ten starters how you depending on how you look at it returning uh oh. depending on what time of the year you were talking about who was healthy and who wasn't sure you know a lot of them are in the same spot some of them are in different spots i think that if we moved them to a different spot it was because we felt that it made them better as players and which made us better mm-hmm. uh and we have some guys we could move and tinker and mess with and move them to where uh we thought we could be we could get better defensively uh you know making those moves we did it and uh, i think hopefully we continue having a good strong defense and not you know not one to I, as much as an exciting it is for a fan i really am not a fan of the you know, the track meets where it's just back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. I'm not a real fan of that. You know, uh, let's, let's play really good defense. Let's win the field position with the punt. Uh, punt game, kicking game, and, uh, you know, hopefully we can make a big playoff. We'll return at least one or two a, a game and, and then take advantage of short fields. I think uh, that's kind of our recipe for success uh, if we can if we can do that. Yeah, it certainly seemed like it last year. Um, you guys start off the season against Leroy again here coming up in week one. It's been like that for a few years now. I think you've opened up with them. But, uh, what are you prepping for this week for your first game against Leroy? You know, uh, they do a really good job of what they do. And they have themselves, they have 11 starters back uh, if you combine both sides of the ball. And, you know, they're a veteran group, but they got a lot of linemen back. And I know they've moved a few of their kids to certain positions to another position, again, to where to make them feel like they're more successful. And their quarterback's going to be a handful, and their fullback's going to be a handful. You know, they run the wing tee, and mm-hmm. we got to do a good job of, you know, maintaining our gaps and doing our jobs and uh, flying to the football. And I think if we're able to do that, it'll give us a good chance uh, to be successful. Uh, but, you know, you play those style offenses, and if you're undisciplined one or two plays, that can cause a, a huge a huge problem for us defensively. And last year we did a pretty good job of being disciplined and not give up too many big plays. We gave up one. There was a 50-yard touchdown, and then we kind of figured it out after that. So if we can, uh, you know, you play these teams, you got to win first down. Uh, get them behind the sticks and behind the chains. And if you ever get an opportunity to have a, them lose yards early in, in possessions, kind of throws them off, kind of makes them more one-dimensional where you're they're not able to determine to, and make it a four-down situation. Uh, mm-hmm. So hopefully we have, uh, you know, like we said, we get this figured out this week and try to get better right. uh, defensively uh, each and every uh, day. Mm-hmm. And then if you look at the schedule as a whole, then after week one and week two, you host Marshall. Then week three is at Decatur St. Teresa, the only CIC team that kept St. T on the schedule there. And then after that, you kind of jump in the CIC schedule and then you finish in week nine off against out of conference again against Carthage, Illini West. And they've had some seasons where they've been four and five the last few years. But historically, I think they've been a winning program just talk about the schedule as a whole yeah i mean uh you know we didn't didn't try to find uh 
cupcakes in our schedule. Sending state champion St. Teresa, they're going to be really good. We're actually playing them at Milliken. Uh, I don't think their press box okay. is going to be done or their bleachers or whatever. So that'll okay, be a good experience you. for our kids playing on a college, college field. And, yeah. Uh, you know, Marshall, uh, they've had their down, down times, but historically they've had a good, uh, good group of athletes year in and year out and had a very, uh, very high winning percentage. And, uh, you know, Carthage, you mentioned them, uh, you know, Carthage Illini West, they're in the 90s. They're one of the few uh, public schools that ever have a three-peat state and state championship, very similar to what Lena's doing now, and a rich tradition as well. And then, of course, in our conference, we deal with Tuscola and, you know, Shelbyville. I think those guys are uh, probably by far the, the top of the, of the group, uh, the group that's there. And Clinton always gives everybody uh, fits because they, they always have good athletes. Yeah. Warrenburg and, and Meridian are both upcoming teams uh, for this upcoming season. And, and like I said, we have to – I always say this, you know, you look at – you know, you kind of circle games, what you think is going to be important and, and whatever. But it always goes back to I always feel like how, how successful are we week one. And if we're able to have yeah. success week one, it kind of gets us uh, going in the right direction. Uh, win or lose, it puts you in a mindset, uh, okay, now we've played a varsity group. Now we can figure out what we can work on. And hopefully when you do that, you hopefully you find a way to win the first one. Uh, whether you play well or you don't, uh, then you can get better at it, uh, whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. Definitely. It's always good to get off to a good start. Uh, what are some of the goals and expectations that you're setting for this season for your Central A&M squad this year? Well, I think one of them for sure is, you know, we're always trying to get better each and every uh, each and every day week whatever and mm-hmm. just and like i said th- these guys uh, as far as seniors go you know just have a regular seat like a regular normal everyday season like everybody normally has uh, and stay away from the major injuries like you can't control that but that's what you're hoping for and then ha- have a group that you know believes in their identity uh playing great defense win field position and take advantage of short fields i think that's a group i think that's something if we can do that we're going to be pretty successful well, uh, we definitely wish you uh, good luck here for uh, Central A&M this season, and it's been uh, fun talking to you and catching up with you today, and we look forward to the rest of the conversations for the rest of the year. So uh, good luck in week one, and uh, try to stay cool, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you later. That's good. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, let's uh, transition and now out of high school uh, football. We'll table more of that conversation, diving deeper into some week one uh, matchups over the next couple of days before week one uh, kickoff is upon us. But we do have some random news and uh, notes here to uh, close out of the uh, show with. And I think we're still sticking with football. Yes. Right? Yes. And that is uh, Reggie Bush, Mr. Reggie Bush. Uh, he was once named the best player in college football. Now, former USC running back Reggie Bush is suing the NCAA. Bush said he's filing a defamation suit. He says based on the NCAA maliciously attacking his character and damaging his reputation. The suit centers around the Heisman Trophy. Bush won the award in 2005, but NCAA investigators say he took cash, gifts, and his family lived rent-free in a San Diego area home. So therefore, his statistics were vacated by the NCAA. The trophy returned to the Heisman Trust. Well, Bush wants the Heisman back, and that can only happen if the NCAA restores his numbers based off the fact of a lot of that stuff is now legal. Like, everything he did is legal under NIL. Mm-hmm. So he wants it back now. And I think he's got a great cause here 
for you know making this suit right yeah and as soon as the nil stuff became legal and more prevalent this has been brought up and he does have a valid argument and a valid point of you know now all that stuff is legal so hey i want my stuff back and i want everything and my reputation somewhat restored here so and his award yeah i think he deserves i think he deserves it back um, man, I remember the early days of oh, yeah. YouTube. I spent a lot of time watching Reggie Bush highlights mm-hmm. and mixtapes and all that. And he was just such an electric player. Yes. They're about the only thing that I liked about USC during those years. Yes, I agree. And he should get this back. He won't. He won't. And here's why the NCAA is fighting it, Travis. And that is because if you give him the Heisman back and restore his numbers, you have to say USC is a national champion. And you have to give all those wins to Pete Carroll back. Because they vacated those wins. Yeah. And if you do that, then you're opening up a major can of worms. Right, yeah, you are making opening up to other not not just other athletes and maybe yes. other sports too. I, I, I was thinking specifically basketball. We hear about these, you know, Oh, he was, you know, violated recruiting violations because he did this or did that or whatever. If you're going to have this happen, then what's, you know, what are those coaches, those players to go back and say, no, this is now legal. I think of Derrick Rose at Memphis. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, he did have some violations. I don't mm-hmm. remember exactly uh, what the violations money were going. of money, yeah. but also I think there was a dispute of some of his academics as well. Well, yes, and that's that's a different story. But, you know, these money disputes or um, Maurice Claret from Ohio State, who um, was going to be a number one draft pick, got suspended yeah. from Ohio State. Because he took money from a booster. Well, I thought that he, he wanted sold to some some merchandise. I believe. I thought too. He wanted to come out as a freshman. Yeah, yeah. I think and they wouldn't let him. But I mean, and he sabotaged many, his career. How many times have we heard though about oh, so and so got money from boosters, or so and so sold merchandise, sold his his you know merchandise to try and make money and. <laughs> You know, it gets back to the NCAA, and then they say, nope, these are vacated. Nope, you can't. You know, all these wins are vacated. Everything you want is gone. You're opening up a can of worms. I'll just think about what came out in that documentary about Johnny Manziel. Of, like, huge. he basically lied about his family being loaded because he got so much from memorabilia autographs and whatnot. Yes. And somehow people kept that quiet. Yeah. What were investigators doing back then? I, like we, we just like blindly accepted Manti Teo, Johnny Menzel same year. as well. I know. I blame the media, Travis. <laughs> we stunk at our jobs. And then uh, the journalist for uh, college there in Northwestern breaks the scandal uh, of all this stuff with the Wildcats program. And we can't even figure out whether this guy's actually taking money for autographs or whatnot. Mm-hmm. They lie that his family's from an oil uh, family. Yep. Jeez. Yep. I just, uh, yeah. And I'm unsure about that uh, Florida documentary now. I've not heard good things. Oh, really? 
Yeah, I've heard it's a Urban Meyer puff piece. Oh, wow. Make you feel sorry for Urban Meyer. Ugh. They don't touch on a lot of key issues there, including Aaron Hernandez as well. He rarely comes up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can see why, but, I mean, if you're going to have a documentary about the Florida Gators, you have to touch on a lot of the key issues and a lot of the key controversies. This is go- Going back to this, Travis, this is uh, – the reason why Reggie Bush will not win this suit, or let me take that back, why the NCAA is going to fight this suit so hard, is SMU. SMU and the death penalty that they received due to, quote, slush fund under the table payments to players and their families to entice them to come to SMU to play. That is NIL. Mm. That's 100% legal now. And this football program was given the death penalty mm-hmm. for how many years? Right. You can't just go back and say, oh, sorry, things have changed now. Like, uh, it's it stinks, but I, I don't know where the, the, the stop is. Sure. So, yeah. The, the death penalty to SMU, I think, is why the NCAA is going to fight this as hard as it is. The only football program to ever get. The 87 season was canceled. All home games in 88 were canceled. Team's existing probation was extended until 1990. Its existing game ban from bowl games and live television extended to 89. They lost 55 new scholarship positions over four years. They were required to ensure that eight other boosters uh, previously banned from contact with the program were in fact banned or else faced further punishment. The team was allowed to only hire five full-time assistant coaches instead of the typical nine, and no off-campus recruiting was permitted until August 1988. No paid visits could be made to campus by potential recruits until the start of the 88-89 school year. They had no football, Travis, in 88. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All because of money under the table to entice students to come to SMU, which is now 100% legal and how most college football programs are built. <laughs> yeah. Yep. One of the biggest it, scandals in NCAA it's history. It's still a black mark. It you is, You bring yeah. up SMU, that's the first thing anyone talks about. Yep. If anyone should be suing the NCAA, it's SMU. I haven't really, haven't really heard anything about uh, on this if they're trying to fight it or trying to bring it up again or something. I don't know. It doesn't look like it. I don't remember them talking about it. But, yeah, definitely one of those uh, scandals that you think of that comes to mind first when you think of NIL and college football in general. So that, you're probably right. Again, going going back, I'm not, I'm, we're not even going to go down this road. This is the last thing I'm going to say about it, Travis. SMU got that penalty, which was much harsher than Penn State. Mm, yeah. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> ah, scandals. College football. We love them. They give us stuff to talk about, Travis. They give us stuff to talk about, that's for sure. So. so. Alrighty. There you, got you go. Else? Yeah, I don't really see anything that we haven't got to already so i think that's that's good sounds good i did see that uh breaking ish news 
Um, a Dallas Cowboys player got arrested, so the Cowboys trying to go back to their Super Bowl ways by having their players get arrested. So. <laughs> there is that. Not that. not surprising mm-hmm. that uh, Dallas Cowboy arrested Sam Williams arrested Sunday in charges of possession of a controlled substance and unlawful carrying of a weapon, according to the Fresco Police. Mm-hmm. Mm. The Cowboy, no, that's not anything about it. Mm. He's subject to a fine or suspension for the incident. The Cowboys are aware of the arrest, but declined to comment. According to police, the controlled substance charge is for other substances, not for possession of marijuana, and is a a state jail felony. The unlawful carrying of a weapon is a Class A misdemeanor. So, there you go. Sam Williams. Yep. Cowboys, trouble with the law. Go figure. Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? If I had that song ready, queued up, I uh, would... Well, copyright reasons, you can't Yeah, we're on the podcast. Well, I guess that's true. We can do anything that we want. Well, not anything. Mostly anything. Kind of anything. Mostly. All right. <laughs> One thing that we can't do on the uh, podcast that I'm in control of, ending it. So that's what I'm going to do right now. Music to uh, play us out here as we uh, march on. Stay tuned to the website for more closings and uh, cancellations of games and uh, practices and uh, whatnot. So uh, we'll be back uh, tomorrow to uh, talk more local football and have more local coaches as well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Peace.